This is Express FM. Supported by Portsmouth College. Wait for the whistle to blow. And we are underway on Express FM. For the fans, by the fans. The atmosphere around Fratton at the moment is great and that's spilled over into the training ground and the boys are very, very positive. Giving you... A voice. Everyone has got a smile on their face. It's going really well and it's up to us to keep that, even in the tough moments. This is the Football Hour. And it's a good one. With Jake Smith. The excitement and nervousness of a business end of a season is starting to creep in at Portsmouth Football Club with both the men's and the women's sides leading their respective league tables. We have two huge games to preview on the show tonight, starting with tomorrow's trip to the Valley for Pompey's men, who go into the clash with Charlton off the back of seven undefeated and four straight wins. All buttons come and dropped it, and Bishop put it in the back of the net! We'll be hearing from defender Connor Shocknessy this evening on the mental battle the team will have to overcome to get promotion over the line. We go into every game now knowing that teams are coming up against us thinking these are obviously top of the league, maybe raising their game slightly against us. We know we need to be at it from minute one. Head coach John Massinio will also be here to preview tomorrow's game, highlighting what his side need to do better this weekend, having not hit the expected levels in the first half against Reading last time out. Didn't actually think we were brilliant at the weekend against Reading. We put the ball in the back of the net four times and obviously conceded the late goal, but I thought there were plenty of parts of the game that we could have improved upon, and we've been focusing on that this week. A full preview of Pompey's trip to Charlton to come between now and seven, as well as a look ahead to a mammoth game and an equally as big as journey for Portsmouth women. Izzy Collins has been talking about the opportunity to run out at St James's Park. Obviously, we want to go there and we want to get a win. We're, we're not there just to enjoy the occasion, so we'll enjoy the occasion after and, yeah, kind of just kind of lap up the experience, really. Midfield elite and Rutherford to come too on the importance of not getting too carried away and focusing on the task at hand. We prepare like we would prepare any other game. So it's a semi-final, the carrots dangling, but it's a cup game. It's one of them games that there's no pressure on you as a squad. We'll be looking ahead to Sunday's National League Cup semi-final clash with Newcastle United on the show tonight with also the help of boss Jay Sadler. If you can't embrace this opportunity, then, then I think you're bonkers, if I'm being honest. This is an opportunity that you have to embrace, you have to win joy because it's it's going to be a memory that lasts a lifetime a very good evening and welcome to the football hour the football hour driven by stagecoach across the south download the app now from the app store or google play to view up-to-date timetable information and to prepay for your journey express fm Welcome along to yet another episode of the Football Hour Live here on 93.7 Express FM, local radio in Portsmouth. It is great to have you join us on the show this evening. We have got just 60 minutes to cram everything in tonight, including a preview of each of the two big games we've got coming up this weekend. We'll have interviews with Connor Shocknessy, John Massinio, Izzy Collins, Lita Rutherford and Jay Sadler on the way this evening, as well as all the usual bits and bobs in between too. And we also want to hear from you tuning in back home as well. Would you rotate Pompey's team for tomorrow's encounter with Charlton or stick with the same 11 that started in last week's win over Reading? Which of the sides below the Blues do you think will be the biggest threat to automatic promotion as we enter the final 12 matches of the season? And are you heading to either of both of this weekend's games? Do let us know. 81400 is our text number. Start your messages with the word express. Alternatively, you can email pompey at expressfm.com. Include at expressfm on X, search for Pompey Live or expressfm on Facebook or 
download and reach us through the ExpressFM app. You can send us a written message on there or even better yet, a voice note. We'll introduce our two guests in just a few moments' time, but let's kick off tonight with a reminder of what happened last time out for Pompey at Fratton Park, where the Royals of Reading were the visitors last weekend. Every kick left a great delivery. Every goal curling it past the goalkeeper. Every game is right here. Oh, I don't believe it! Pompey Live. What a moment for Pompey! On Express FM. Josh Smith blows his whistle, and we are underway between the side top of the league and the side who have been probably the most impressive in the form table. The shot's going to come from distance here for Reading as Aziz drives to the penalty area, shoots, and Norris saves. Still there in the penalty area, and Ahir Batterman's ball in is nothing more than a back pass. Right ball for Pompey, Bishop into the area. Bishop's left foot could save Button, that's a chance. Reading probably impressed more than anyone else at Fratton Park, and Makairu is coming forward, chance in the box. Nibs lays it back, edge of the penalty area. Ahir Batterman tries, surely he gets the shot away. Goes wide, cross comes in, chance. How's that gone over the bar? What an opportunity for Makairu, and Reading have blown it, nil-nil. Dangerous wing wanting to get a shooting chance into the area. Great chance for Reading, great save, Norris. Aki Batterman can't turn it past the goalkeeper corner. Kamara steps over it, it is a shot, and it's punched away by the goalkeeper with Bishop flying in, and it's behind for a Pompey corner. Kamara drives forward, this is good from Abu Kamara. To Lane on the left, chance for Lane in the box, shoots into the net! And Paddy Lane has scored in the 11th of the season. Keep it out. Pompey have been under the cost, but they found a way through. Portland one, Reading nil. Cairo under pressure from Pack and plays a hurried ball and gives it away. Lane for Portsmouth. Lane shoots just wide. You can see why he wanted the shot there, Lane. And that is the end of the first 45 minutes here at Fratton Park. Here's Kamara down that right wing. Two in the middle, a third arriving. Kamara, can he get the delivery in? Pack saying, give me the ball. Here is Pack outside the box. Pack driving past. Pack, what a goal! What a magnificent goal! That is magical from Marlon Pack. Grabs the ball, puts it up his shirt. Marlon Pack has scored a fabulous goal. Portsmouth 2, Reading 0. Kamara's got Lang in field, Lang into the box of Portsmouth. What can Lang do? Short scores! Callum Lang! Reading give the ball away. And Callum Lang has his third Portsmouth goal. And surely Portsmouth are heading for a sixth win in seven. Portsmouth three, Reading nil. Left hand in the air from Pack. Whips one in, good delivery. Headed by Shockerty. He misses it, Bishop misses it. And it's behind. Aziz stands over it. Wing to hit it. No, hit the bar, it's not gone in. Bar down on line, and Norris claims that that's inches away from giving Reading a way back into this game, but it is not. Lang trying to come forward for Pompey, outside the Reading penalty area, the left corner. Lang into the box, nice run, loose ball. Sadie picks it up, Moxon wants it, Moxon hits it just over the bar. All buttons come and dropped it, and Bishop put it in the back of the net! And Colby Bishop has his 16th of the season, Buttons claiming he was fouled. Referee's not interested. Portsmouth 4, Reading 0. Oh, Norris's clearance isn't the best. It's drawback back goalwards and in. And the clean sheet won't happen. Charlie Savage has pulled one back for Reading. Side-footing it past Norris, who stood on his knees frustrated because he came and couldn't get there. And Savage scores against Portsmouth for the second time this season. It's Portsmouth 4, Reading 1. But there is no time for Portsmouth to take the corner kick because the full-time whistle is blown by Josh Smith, the referee. 
It's more than job done for Portsmouth. It's job comprehensively done for Portsmouth. They've beaten Reading by four goals to one. All the unmissable action. Pompey Live on Express FM. So, Pompey remained top of League One then after Saturday's 4-1 victory over Reading at Fratton Park. Abu Kamara with a hat-trick of assists. Paddy Lane, Marlon Pack, Callum Lang and Colby Bishop all on the score sheet. And the gap to second place Derby County remains at six points after their late win at home to Stevenage. Bolton Wanderers drop points as a result of a three-all draw with the Blues' next opponents, Charlton. However, after proceedings last weekend, the gap between Bolton and Pompey was nine points, with Ian Everett's side having three games in hand. One of those games in hand took place on Tuesday night away at Cambridge United where the Trotters had to come back from a 1-0 deficit at half-time to win the game 2-1 at the Abbey Stadium. They are now level on points with Derby, six points behind Portsmouth now with just two games in hand. John Massino's tabletoppers head to Charlton tomorrow. That's a game we'll be previewing on the show this evening. Meanwhile, Derby travel to Barnsley, Bolton are away at Blackpool and Peterborough United, off the back of four straight league defeats, have a Derby to look forward to. An early kickoff away at Cambridge United, who, by the way, in the last 24 hours, have lost their manager, Neil Harris, after being poached by his former club, Millwall, in the Championship. Our focus tonight, though, of course, on the Valley. And with us to preview that game, we have director of the Pompey Women, Eric Colborne. Eric, two big games to look ahead to on the show, and it is great to have you on with us tonight. Fantastic to be here, Jake. What a time to be a Pompey supporter. Fantastic weekend of football ahead of us. Two great away games. I know a lot of people are going to both games, and I'm sure they're both going to be fantastic fantastic experiences for both both men and women mm. so yeah really really looking forward to this weekend certainly is going to be a big weekend for, for both teams involved uh, Blues fan Ian Chiverton also with us here on the Football Hour Chiv likewise my friend a pleasure to welcome you back onto the show uh, thanks for having me back on well, let's begin then, Chiv, uh, chronologically then. Pompey's men first travel to Charlton tomorrow afternoon at the Valley, the venue for the next League One fixture. And, Chiv, it's starting to get a little bit real now, isn't it? Twelve games to go between now and the end of the campaign. Pompey, seven undefeated, four wins in a row, a 72 points on the board. Just how nervous are you sort of feeling now in the anticipation between sort of now and the, you know, the final stages of April? Yeah, I think I was OK up to the uh, Reading game because... We're quite a cautious fan base, aren't we? And I think a lot of us were just kind of nervously watching and and just basically waiting for it to go wrong because that's just we've seen it so many times. But I got to say, I was remaining very calm. And but the last four games, those four wins, they've just I, I just can't help myself now. I'm genuinely <laughs> I, I just can't help it. You can't help but be excited. Like yeah. the um, the last two Fratton games have been brilliant. The atmosphere's been amazing. Um, I think even the most sceptical or the most um, precautionary of fan, it, it's it's different now. You, you've just got to go with it. We're nearly, before you know it, we're going to be single-digit games left and the countdown is on and it's a really, really exciting time. It is a really exciting time to be a Portsmouth supporter, Eric, as you mentioned there, uh, for both the men's and the women's respectively. But of course, we're talking about the men's first and foremost this evening. Um, you, you do kind of get the sense this season might be just a little bit different, particularly on a, a mental scale behind the scenes. This squad just seems to have that, that little bit extra than what we've seen in previous campaigns. 
Yeah, I think I think throughout the club everything's that little bit extra, Jake. Um, yes, the, the the squad looks really really good, and you've got to remember everyone seems to forget. You know, we we lost top players. You know, Regan Paul, mm. uh, um, Alex Robinson. These are good grief. You know, two top top players, and. But no, we've carried on and we've got over that little blip that we had, you know, the Christmas, New Year period. Sort of thing, and we've gone on this run and 72 points with 14 <laughs> games left. What a position to be in. It's a scary, scary position to be in if you're a Pompey fan. 81400 is the number to text this evening. Blues fans tuning in. Let us know your thoughts um, of proceedings at Fratton Park, what your score prediction is as well for tomorrow's trip to the Valley for, for Pompey. And... Um, Chiv, you mentioned there off the back of that 4-1 victory over Reading last Saturday. Uh, a decent performance, maybe um, getting away with things in the first half. Reading had a 20-minute spell where they probably should have gone one or two goals ahead, but Pompey weathered that storm and, and got the 4-1 victory over the line. There are some big games coming up between now and the end of the season. Bolton away stands out, Peterborough away to Derby at home over the Easter weekend. And Charlton away would be one of those fixtures we would maybe usually label as a big game and one that we'd be potentially nervously waiting for Chiv but in all honesty they are 15 games without a win and on the cusp of the relegation zone does that in your opinion still have you know, have some sort of weigh in for tomorrow's game or are you still somewhat nervous just purely because it's Charlton I think the players won't I think as fans we you know I've been there many times and seen us lose so um, I think as fans they'll be nervous but I, I honestly don't think the players will be affected by it they're not the ones holding that um, record they a lot of them weren't here for most of the games we've played in recent history so um, no I, I don't think our previous record will have the the, the actual squad will be thinking about that at all um, yes we have got some difficult games between now and the end of the season but so does every team up there um, and I know you can get quite isolated just looking at Pompey's fixture list but all the teams are playing at big games everyone has the same but the difference is we've got mm. our noses in front. We're the ones with the points on the board. Yeah. Um, we don't have to get as many points as the other teams, literally. So, um, yeah, we've just got to get behind the team. We're not going to win every game. Um, we just need to win enough to finish in the top two. I'm not even bothered about winning <laughs> the league at this point. Absolutely, Chiv. Thank you very much. Eric as well. Do hold tight. We'll get more from those two very shortly. But let's head straight now into some pre-match thoughts from within the Pompey camp as we've got a whole host of stuff to get through on the show this evening. Last week, Connor Shocknessy and his partner welcomed their daughter Etta into the world. George Wedlake spoke to the Blues defender at the training ground earlier this week to look ahead to tomorrow's match and began by congratulating him on the arrival and asking how things are going. Over the moon, um, really exciting times in my house. Got two little ones now, um, both very young and uh, yeah, just exciting. They're happy, healthy household, can't complain. Yeah, life, life's good. Two young children in the house, how's the sleep? Yeah, um, it's been interesting getting coming to terms with that, uh, you know, newborn sleep again. Um, it's a little bit of a test, but my partner's really good in in terms of um, giving me the sleep I needed the night before game. So uh, yeah, I'm grateful for that. She understands the importance of the position you're in at the moment as a footballer. Then yeah, one hundred percent. She she's always always understood. You know what's what's needed to kind of put in performances on a Saturday and she understands that sleep is a massive part of that so she's been brilliant and um, yeah all, all good at home and Sean Raggett how would you describe playing alongside him at the moment how's that partnership for you yeah it's been brilliant um, I've I've loved playing alongside him um, I think we've 
developed a good relationship together from our first couple of games where we just you know got to know each other a bit better I think we've we've done really well put together quite a lot of clean sheets and got a decent defensive record saying that I think we we always look to improve after every game we analyze it and we look at areas we can do better and you know hopefully we can it's something we can still improve on with 12 games to go so you've played in a few defensive partnerships this season already, some lasting for a period of a few games, some lasting for around 54 minutes. How have you found that? Do you have to adapt the way you play or does it kind of come naturally over time? Yeah, you have to adapt, I guess. It's, um, the good thing is like, I obviously train with these players every day, so I know, I know who's coming in and I know who I have to play alongside and you know, the different options we have. Um, so whenever anyone's called upon... You know that you've got a few different partnerships available. I think everybody knows there thereabouts each other's game, so it's it's makes it quite natural to slide to slide in there. You started thirty three out of thirty four league games this season. First season at Portsmouth, did you expect to rack up those numbers? Probably not. If I'm being honest, um, I think you know I just looked at coming in in the summer and trying do my best to break into a what I knew was a really good side, um, a side that we were hoping obviously was going to be pushing for promotion as we are. So I, yeah, I'm I'm very happy to have played this number of games and hopefully I can I can play as many more. Um, as possible between now and the end of the season. So being such a vital part of the team that are currently top of the table, chasing promotion, was that how you expected it to be as well as a team? Did you expect to be doing as well as you are? Was that how it was kind of sold to you in the summer? I wouldn't say it was sold to me like that in the summer, but I, I think we looked at the players recruited, I guess, in the summer, how the pre-season was going and you know what sort of a group the manager and the director were putting together. Um you know, I've obviously I've played in in this league for a couple of seasons, so I've seen I've seen the best teams that have gone up over the last couple of years, and I think it was it was evident from from the summer that we were going to have a good chance of being up there there around it, which is where we are now. Um, but it's brilliant to be in the position we are in right now, definitely. And you're facing obviously a lot of different teams in the styles in which they play. Reading came at Portsmouth quite thick and fast early on. The first 20 minutes, they were kind of racking up chance after chance after chance. That's not necessarily something you're used to all too much in League One being top of the league at the moment. So how did you find that? Yeah, it was a really good test for us. Um, I think especially defensively for for us to um, kind of weather the storm of of them for 30 minutes they were, they were a good side I think they're probably better than what the table shows where they are um, I think I think we did well to deal with them for that half an hour and then I think we you know settled ourselves into the game a bit better and obviously showed our quality in front of goal and kind of gave us a foothold in the game and then coming out for the second half the, you know the manager made a couple of tweaks at half time and how he wanted us to to play and press and I think it made quite a big difference which was clear to see in the second half and I think once we got that right it, we showed our quality in front of goal and obviously a great result in the end. Next up is a tough test historically for Portsmouth, Charlton, away from home as well at the Valley, not an easy place to go, how are you and the boys preparing for that one? Yeah we know it's going to be a, a very difficult game, any time I've played there it's always been a tough place to go so no matter where, where they are in the table at the minute or you can't really look at Form. I know they've recently got a new manager in, which means there'll be a couple of changes and you know maybe a, a different energy about them over these games. Uh, players proven points, etc., etc. And um, I think it'll be a yeah, it'll be a really good tough test for us. Um, I think we go into every game now knowing that teams are coming up against us, thinking these are obviously top of the league. Um, 
maybe raising their game slightly um, against us. We know we need to be at it from from minute one. Um, but yeah, in terms of preparation, we we prepare as we always have. We give a good have a good intense week of training. Um, do our analysis with the manager. Look over their strengths and weaknesses and just do things as normal. We'll be fresh and, you know, gearing to go on Saturday. More than 3,000 tickets are sold for the away end as well. How important can the fans be on the day? Yeah, they're massive. I mean, it's amazing support and we feel it on the pitch, especially in the latter stage of games when your legs are feeling it a little bit, just having that little lift when you can hear the hear the Pompey fans. It's absolutely massive. So, yeah, we are, we are definitely grateful for them you know spending their money and traveling to watch us play hopefully we can put in a good performance for them Connor Shocknessy speaking there with George Wedlake at Pompey's training facility on Wednesday. Over 3,000 tickets sold for the game at the Valley tomorrow, Eric. And it doesn't come as really any surprise, but the Blues fans will travel in their numbers no matter where it is in the country. But nonetheless, that kind of support up in South London tomorrow will, will do the world of good for the players. And that's the kind of thing they need between now and the end of the season to really, I guess, get them over the line and get promoted. Yes, it's all those little 1%s, as we always keep saying, you know, the, the wherever the advantage can be. But Yes, I mean, um, you know, it is right. In the end of the game, it's so important that with a support like that, that um, you know, it just it just pushes the team over the line uh, and and makes that little difference that uh, you know other teams obviously haven't got. So it, it's great that um, you know we do we do support in such you know, large numbers uh, away from home, um, and it does lift the players. There's no getting away from it. And Charlton Athletic themselves on a really poor run of form. We're going to hear more about the Addicts with Kirsty Roxanne in the next part of the show. But after a run of 15 league games without a win and now just outside of a relegation zone by a singular point, I asked Charlton fan Lewis Catt, who can also be heard on Charlton Live and Charlton TV, where it's all gone wrong for the Addicts this season. You know what, Jake? It's been very, very tough following Charlton this year, I must say. It feels a little bit like we're getting a bit of a hangover from a few years of neglect from previous ownerships and just mistakes that have been made off the field. It feels like we've we've maybe sort of tumbled a bit further as the seasons have gone by and this year really has sort of like been the been the real standout for us in terms of how poor it's been. Um we had a takeover in the summer which um with it comes, you know, like a, a new sense of optimism I suppose because the previous ownership under Thomas Sangard was growing sort of more and more unpopular. So to see a new ownership come in, I think we were maybe not as optimistic as we have been in in previous because we've we've had a few full starts under ownerships over the last few years. But uh, that slight optimism that always comes with the new season, we had a manager in place in Dean Holden that the fans were behind. Um, I think we felt that given the right resources and, and a good summer window, he'd be able to build a, a competitive um, League One side that would be you know, pushing for the top six. We replaced Dean too early. I think we made that decision to, mm. to get rid of Dean Holden and replace him with Michael Appleton after I think it was four league games and a cup game. So to do that so early, I don't think we really gave Dean the time um, to make a, a stamp on it this season because when Michael Appleton came in, there were key players that were returning from injury, which would have only strengthened Dean's chances as well. So that was a decision that I I found quite baffling at the time. And then obviously Michael Appleton's uh, appointment, as you've probably seen from the outside, being a previous Pompey manager, um, was was incredibly unpopular by the end of it. Um, it, it was very, very sour and it ended quite sour for, for Michael as well. And it's left us languishing in a place that we, we didn't really think that we would be at the start of the season and with a hell of a lot of work to do now. 
um, to try and salvage our status in, in League One next season, which, you know, you would, we want to get out of this division, but I didn't think we'd be we'd be going out of it the other way than, than we should be, you know, <laughs> than we'd be going down as opposed to going up. I'd like to ask about the, the transfer of Corey Blackett-Taylor to Derby County in, in January. Of course, there was always going to be heavy interest in him from, from clubs sniffing around in League One and probably the Championship as well. His departure... Was that more or less down to what Derby were offering in terms of finances, or do you think that Charlton could have done a little bit better to try and keep hold of him? I think there's two ways to look at it, really. You know, he was he was out of contract in the summer, and I think it would have been quite unlikely that he'd have stayed um, at the time that he left, anyway. So I suppose we've we've looked at it as a way to cash in on him while he has some value. I do think that you know, despite getting a fee for him, I think that the impact and and the quality that he has on our side would have been, you know, a real contributing factor to trying to stay in the division. And I, I do question why we'd have let him go. I understand that we were looking at it from a from a financial perspective. And, and I think Corey may have wanted to go and challenge himself at the upper end of the division in, in a team that are pushing for promotion, which I think Corey's earned because I think he's been a, a really good performer for us over the last few seasons. But I was surprised that, that we maybe let him go so easily. Um, especially given where we are at the moment. Um, and I think that's probably summed up our, our last couple of transfer windows, to be honest. And that's another factor that that contributes to where we are, because I think some of our recruitment has has been nowhere near it. And just finally, Nathan Jones has come in to manage besides somebody who I should imagine won't get too much of a warm reception from the travelling Pompey fans on Saturday. Um, nonetheless, he's come in, three matches played so far, two draws, one defeat, without a win at this stage. But do you think he could be the the answer to try and keep Charlton up this season? I think so. I mean, I hope so, more than anything. But with Nathan, I think what we've seen is is like a, a, a reignition of, of a bit of belief among the fan base. For his first game, we took a, a sold-out away end to, to Reading in a crucial game. Obviously, the result didn't go our way that day, which is incredibly disappointing. But Nathan had only been in the building for four days and there was, there's obviously a lot of work to be done. Rome wasn't built in a day, uh, as the famous saying goes. But since then, we've we've had two two draws, which, you know, the Lincoln game at home, I'd have been hopeful that we'd got three points out of that, especially on home soil. But to go to um, to go Bolton on Saturday and score three goals, annoyingly not come back with three points, but to go there and put three goals past one of the best defences in the league is progress for me. Um, and it, it put a lot of belief into the players but and the fan base. Um, so... Look, I know he he won't be a popular um, figure for the for the travelling fans on Saturday, but given his sort of previous history with us as a football club, with you know working with our young players in our academy, which is one of our you know main focal points as a football club, it's something that we're really proud of for him to come back now managing the first team, and he just feels like someone that gets it. And I feel like the last few appointments we've had, not so much Dean because I think he was a great guy, but but Michael Appleton especially, Nigel Adkins, Ben Garner. They didn't quite get the Charlton way, I suppose. And some of our greater successes have come from people that have form at the club, the the Chris Powells, the Lee Bowyers, you know, people like that. So I think Nathan coming in, it's given us all a bit of a lift. He's an incredibly infectious character. He's very enthusiastic. Watching his interviews and, and his post-match pressers compared to watching Appleton's uh, like chalk and cheese. Um, so look, I, I think the fans are really behind him and, you know, fan power is is one of our main strengths. Really, it's similar to you guys down in Portsmouth. You know, we're mm. we're a club that thrives off off our passionate fan base, and I think when everyone's pulling in the same direction, the valley gets rocking, and you've got someone in the dugout that gets it. Then hopefully, this you know the 
the position that we're in at the moment can turn around very quickly and you've got someone there that, that will be a really, really good manager to help build and help put a project together in the summer to hopefully try and get us out of the division in the right direction rather than the way we are at the moment. A big thank you to Lewis Fair for giving us a bit of a lowdown into Charlton and pinpointing where he believes uh, they're having such a poor season. After the break, we'll ramp up our preview of tomorrow's game in South London with the help also of Blues head coach John Massinio, who expresses his delight at the improved form on home soil in recent weeks following last Saturday's win over Reading. At home, sometimes we have struggled at times this season, I think with the pressure, with the fact that there's that level of expectation on the boys. And I think when things go well, we're, we're really good at home. And sometimes when we slip up a bit, I think we just get a bit nervous and a bit edgy. So we really try to address that. Stick around to hear the thoughts of the gaffer there ahead of this weekend's trip to the Valley, as well as more from Eric and Chiv too. And later on, we'll move on to look ahead to Sunday's FA Women's National League Cup semi-final between Newcastle and Pompey at St James's Park. Stay tuned. For the fans, by the fans, the Football Hour with Jake Smith on Express FM. The new Stagecoach Flexi 5, a bus ticket that works when you do, for those who travel often, but not every day. These new flexible bus tickets are available as Flexi 5, bundles of five day riders for the price of four, and Flexi 10, bundles of 10 day riders for the price of seven. Flexi tickets are now available to download via the Stagecoach bus app. Download Flexi 5 or Flexi 10 from Apple App Store or Google Play today. For more information, visit stagecoachbus.com. For the fans, by the fans, the Football Hour with Jake Smith on Express FM. Yo, welcome back to the Football Hour here on Portsmouth's Express FM, where this evening you join myself, Jake Smith, alongside Eric Colborne and Ian Chiverton to look ahead to a mammoth weekend of football for Pompey. We heard from Blues defender Connor Shocklessy before the break, ahead of tomorrow's trip to Charlton for the men, and shortly we'll also hear from boss John Massinio too. But before we do that, let's dive a little deeper into the challenge for the weights in match day number 35. Kirsty Roxanne has more on the South London side. A game of two halves last time out saw the Blues win by an incredible four goals to one over Reading on home turf. That scoreline now means that Pompey have accumulated 11 goals over their last three matches. This week's opposition. With six points, the gap to second place Derby at the top of the table. The Blues head back on the road this weekend to take on struggling Charlton Athletic. Manager. There is a new man in the dugout for the Addicts, and that is former Luton Town and Southampton boss Nathan Jones. Jones began his career with conference outfit Murfield Tidfield before joining Luton in 1995. After a short stint in Spain, he returned to England with Southend United in 1997. Jones spent three seasons at Roots Hall, which included a brief loan spell at Scarborough in 1999. He then moved on to Brighton & Hove Albion in 2000 and was part of the team that won three promotions in the space of five years. The left-back joined Jovial Town in 2005 and would go on to spend seven seasons in League One, making over 200 appearances for the Glovers. Whilst at Yeovil, Jones spent time as first team coach for Yeovil Town Ladies and later player assistant manager for the first team. Jones also coached for Charlton's under-21s and Stoke City. It was only three weeks ago on the 4th of February that Jones was appointed as manager of Charlton. His first game in charge saw Charlton lose 2-0 at relegation threatening rivals Reading on the 10th of February. One to watch. 19-year-old forward Daniel Canoe is one to keep an eye out for this Saturday. Canu, born in Lambeth in November 2004, has been with the club since under-11 level and signed his first pro contract at the Valley on the 12th of February 2022, having scored 31 goals across all competition for Charlton's youth sides. Ten days later, Canu made his senior debut for the Addicts by coming off the bench in the final eight minutes of a League One defeat to Wigan Athletic. 
Later on in November of the same year, Canu scored his first goal for the club in a 3-2 defeat away at Plymouth Argyle in the EFL Trophy. As recently as the 7th of February this year, it was announced that Carnu had signed a new long-term contract with the South London side, from whom he has this season scored four goals and helped with one assist. Canu has one international cap behind him already, representing Sierra Leone as a second-half substitute in a 2-0 defeat to Egypt in World Cup 2026 qualifying back in November. Top scorer. 30-year-old former Doncaster Rovers and Cheltenham Town striker Alfie May is currently Charlton's leading scorer in all competitions this season. May, who signed for the Addicts last summer, has managed 20 goals so far in 2023-24, 16 of which have come in the league, with two each in the FA Cup and the EFL Trophy. The Gravesend-born forward came through the ranks as a youngster with Millwall and began his senior career with amateur outfit Corinthian in 2012. He floated around the non-league scene until January 2017, when at the age of 23 he made the jump up to the Football League with Doncaster. In three years with Donny, May managed just 10 goals from 92 appearances, but then found comfort at Cheltenham Town, where between January 2020 and May 2023, he scored 58 goals in 141 competitive appearances. Current form. The Addicts currently sit 20th in the League One table, just one point ahead of Cheltenham Town in relegation zone. They have accumulated 33 points across their 33 games played to this stage. In their last five matches, the results have returned three draws and two defeats. Their most recent game ended 3-3 against the Blues promotion rivals Bolton Wanderers. Nathan Jones' side are in the midst of a tricky run of fixtures against sides challenging at the top of the division. Last week's trip to Bolton is followed by this weekend's meeting with Pompey and next Tuesday's away match at Derby County. This is now Charlton's fourth straight season in League One. Last season they finished in 10th, two places and eight points behind the Blues. This season they're battling in the bottom half of the table and hoping to avoid relegation. 19 places and 39 points behind. Charlton are winless in their last 15 league games and their last victory came on the 28th of November. That's a 2-1 home win against Cheltenham, which for context came just three days after Pompey's first league defeat of the season at home to Blackpool. Can the Blues go an eighth game unbeaten and possibly even secure a fifth straight win in the process too? Or the Addicts see the end to their current horrific streak? All of the immiscible action on Pompey Live. A closer look at Charlton there without a win in their last 15 league matches since a 2-1 victory over Cheltenham back on the 28th of November. Some people getting involved via the text tweets and emails from back home. Thank you to Linda Mail, who says, let's hope we can get something from the Charlton game. Even though they're near the bottom, they are a bit of a bogey team to us. On a different subject, it has been just over a year since John Messina was appointed as manager and we were 10th in League One at the time. What a transformation has taken place since his arrival. I must admit, thinking John but considering this is his first managerial appointment, how well has he done? Whoever thought he'd make a good manager for Pompey was very shrewd. If we can achieve promotion, we will do very well to hang on to him. Play at Pompey, Linda, on the emails. Dave Bird has got in touch saying, Good evening, guys. Steve Evans says six wins will do it for us. That could be true, but results against Bolton, Derby, Oxford, Peterborough and Barnsley could change that calculation for better or worse. I prefer to take Marlon Pack's target of 95 points, to be honest. However, the first big task is to beat Charlton tomorrow. What a change that would really be. I really start thinking uh, from that point forward, this could well be our season if we can pull that one off. By the way, was there any confirmation of how long Joe Morrell will be missing? Was it a season-ending injury? Dave, as far as I'm aware, John Massino fears that he will be missing uh, for the large majority, if not the uh, rest of the season. Unfortunately, 
for Joe Morrell. Unlikely to see him back in a Pompey shirt between now and the end of April. And a final one here from Marcus Deacon saying massive game this weekend. Should be a fairly easy win on paper, but Charlton have been one of our bogey sides for as long as I can remember. A win tomorrow with Derby, Bolton and Barnsley dropping points would give us a comfortable cushion going into the last couple of months of the season. I think another seven or eight wins for our, from our last 12 should see us over the line especially if that includes wins against the three sides I just mentioned, who I think are the teams we need to worry about catching us. I'd uh, keep the same team from last weekend. However, perhaps unless Bishop is playing a blinder, bring Yengi on a bit earlier, maybe around the 60-minute mark. Despite our atrocious record against Charlton, I'm going for an optimistic 2-0 Blues win, according to Marcus Deacons there on the emails. Thank you ever so much to everybody for getting in touch. Okay, let's hear now from John Messina himself. Speaking to George Wedlake at the training ground earlier in the week, ahead of tomorrow's clash with Charlton, first talking about how things have been since last week's 4-1 win over Reading at Fratton Park. Whenever we win, lose or draw, we want to try and stay as positive as we can coming into the week and just assess the games objectively as possible. We didn't actually think we were brilliant at the weekend against Reading. We put the ball in the back of the net four times and obviously conceded the late goal, but I thought there were plenty of parts of the game that we could have improved upon and we've been focusing on that this week. So a load of positivity, obviously but also we need to make sure that we stay grounded, we stay realistic, we keep assessing those performances objectively and that's what we've been doing this week. In terms of the positives, Reading did apply the pressure early on for the first 20, but how impressed were you with your team defensively to hold them off and be put four goals past them? I wasn't too impressed with us defensively. I thought the amount of pressure that Reading sustained was the fact that as a whole side, I didn't think we did did our job well enough. And to be honest, the fact that Reading weren't a goal ahead, I thought was much more down to the fact that Will made a couple of good saves and their finishing was poor. Reading's finishing was poor rather than our resoluteness in defence. So that was a big area, I think, of improvement and a big area of disappointment going into half-time and then obviously after the game having watched the game back so I do think we need to be a lot better there because on another day we're punished and we go a goal or two goals down on the day obviously we we made sure that we didn't concede the goal and then made sure that we rebounded after that and to be honest we were very very comfortable in the second half and the thought looked like we were a real attacking threat without conceding the sort of chances we conceded in the second half so that was the pleasing part of the game the second half. Talking about that attacking threat, seven goals in the past two games, seven different goal scorers, you must be happy with that. Yeah, we've been talking about it all season in terms of trying to have other goal scorers across the pitch and back into last season as well. I, I remember towards the back end of last year when we couldn't make the playoffs, the focus shifted on to next season or to this season and what we wanted to recruit in the summer. And one of the big things that we wanted to do was to try and improve the amount of goal scoring we had across the team away from the reliance on Colby. And we've managed to do that, I think, for large parts this season. The fact that the front three in behind him have got really, really good um, sort of goal scoring records Callum's come in I think he's got three and three starts Paddy obviously with 11 at this stage of the season compared to his one last year Ab's coming in and having a massive contribution not just with goals but with assists and, and then we've chipped in from the rest of the side as well lads that have been out injured have, have scored plenty um, Cassini is a I think in terms of his goal scoring record and amount of minutes played is probably right up there in the league and when you've got Marlon chipping in with goals as well it's, it's a good place to be That's now seven unbeaten one six of those drawn only one again and that's a pretty good return, isn't it? Yeah, and we've been happy with that return, oh, especially after the Leighton Orient game. I think there were a lot of questions asked after the Orient game, rightly so, because of how poor we were. And because that was the end of a really poor run, I think, of results and not so much performances, because I thought performances in there were by and large OK. But I thought the Orient game, the result was poor and the performance was poor. So to bounce back after that with the three away games that we had, that was, I think, a real sign of the sort of resilience that the squad have been showing this season for large parts. And then also to go and win the next three home games because 
I think home at home sometimes we have struggled at times this season. I think with the pressure, with the fact that there's that level of expectation on the boys, and I think when things go well, we're, we're really good at home. And sometimes when we slip up a bit, I think we just get a bit nervous and a bit edgy. So we really try to address that and make sure that we focus on all the positives at home and try and leverage as much as we can all the support that we get at Fratton Park. It's a really big thing for us. So to go. Those seven games unbeaten, we're, we're really happy with, but we have, we've got 12 games left now to really kick on and try and go again. Yeah, and the recent form, what's the key to sustaining that for the last 12 games? I think it's just to take all of the positives that we can out of the performances, but also the, on the flip side, we have to make sure that we address any of the shortcomings. And even though we've had success in terms of the results over the seven games, we know there's been patches of games where we haven't performed brilliantly and we want to improve all the time. So we're making sure, particularly after the weekend, that we do that. And I think that's the key to trying to win games going forward. Uh, Miles Peter Harris was missing from the squad at the weekend. It was rumoured it was just a knock. Is that the case? Yeah, he should be fine for this weekend. He hasn't trained yet this week, but he's been out on the grass working with Steve. So we're hopeful that he's going to train on Friday and be available for Saturday. Nothing too serious. And the last we heard on Tom Lowry was that he was going to see a specialist. Has that happened yet? Uh, no, not yet. So we'll get more news at the weekend. And the overall injury situation currently, players returning. How's that looking? I think the only player set for imminent return, Zach Swanson. He may train with us at the back end of this week. If not, then he's going to be out on the grass with us early next week and then probably available I don't think he'll be available for selection for the Oxford game but hopefully the week after that that might be one where we look at bringing Zach back into the squad or back into the side possibly he's the only one at the moment who is close like that to return and then Ben Stevenson will be the next one after that and having players like that just to bolster the squad towards you know this promotion push how important is that for you really important I think that in January, what we wanted to do was take a snapshot of where we were as a side with all of the injuries and then try and bring players in underneath that. And then any players that we got back or any players that we get back are going to be a real bonus. Obviously, since then, we've we've lost a couple that we aren't able to replace because it's ticked over the 1st of February in, in Tom McIntyre and Tom Lowry. But I think having those players return and the fact that, for example, at centre-half, I think we've got a lot of strength in depth anyway means we're in a decent enough position. And there's nothing, obviously, we can do about that now in terms of bolstering the squad. So, yeah, we've just got to make sure we're positive and can keep going with what we've got, which is more than enough in my eyes. Next up is a tough test away at Charlton. How do you approach a game like that where, you know, there's a relatively new manager there and the team are just floating above the drop but perhaps should be higher on paper? I think we just approach it as we do any other game. We try and analyse where they've been over the last three games, which is how many games Nathan's been in charge. And I think he's been fairly consistent in terms of the way that they have played over those last few games especially so that's all it's going to be for us the same as we approach each and each and every game I do think Charlton are a side who should be above where they are in the league but we know it's very very tough when you're down there and it can be difficult to pick up points and Charlton have obviously found that over the past six to eight weeks but a side with plenty of attacking threats and one that I think if you ever look at Nathan Jones's record especially at this level is it's one that we know is going to be organised and we know we're going to Give us um, plenty to think about at the weekend. So it was more than 20,000 inside Fratton Park last weekend. This weekend, more than 3,000 away tickets sold. How vital a part now are the fans in the push for promotion? Yeah, they've been a, a massive part, I think, since the, the first pre-season game when a few hundred of them came out to... Spain just to see us play in a friendly and that's a sign of where we are as a football club in terms of the fan base and in terms of how mad everyone is for everything that goes on here win lose or draw so really really important I think that we maintain that going forward and, and we as a team and, and as a um, as a football club try and reward the travelling fans and try and give the home fans something to cheer about as well because it makes a huge difference and it's a big big 12 games for us coming up and, and hopefully at the end of it we've got something to show for it John Massino speaking to George Wedlake at the Blues training grounds earlier this week uh, Eric Colbot alongside us to look ahead to that game and later on the Pompey women's trip to St James's Park on Sunday um, Eric do Pompey need to do much different tomorrow than what they did last weekend at Fratton Park? 
Well, I think, as John said there, they, they need to start um, in that first half, make certain they're on it from, from minute one to, you know, obviously uh, right the way through to 90-plus, whatever. But, um, I mean, John said there, we weren't great in that first half uh, against Reading. Um, and, um, you know, we don't want any... We don't want to give Charlton any um, any heads up sort of thing, you know. You don't want them going in front for argument's sake early on or anything like that. Give them any cause for optimism. Um, I, I think another professional performance and um, make certain that we do what we do well um, and put them to the sword. Mm. Um, you know, every Pompey supporter. You know, but it's like you think, oh, blind Charlton, here we go, you know, and all the rest of it, so they, with a record and everything else. But the bottom line is that look where they are in the league, mm-hmm. and, and, and you know that uh, if we're on our game and everybody's, you know, there and doing it, we'll be fine, we'll be absolutely fine. Yeah. Uh, Andy Moon confirming that Tom Lowry has not seen a specialist yet. Uh, more will be known um, over the course of the next few days. Miles Pitt Harris should be available for selection tomorrow. And Zach Swanson is billed to be back in training for Pompey uh, by the end of next week. So hopefully a return for Zach Swanson potentially uh, for the Blackpool game at the start of March. Right, Pompey against Charlton Athletic tomorrow afternoon then uh, here on Pompey Live from 2 o'clock. All of the action will have from the Valley myself, Connor Mosley and Kirsty Roxanne with kick-by-kick commentary in between as well. Can Pompey make it eight unbeaten and strengthen their position at the top of League One? Well, they're currently seven unbeaten on the best run of the league out of any team so far at the moment against the side who are on the worst run of any team in League One as things stand. Charlton Athletic winless in the last 15. We'll find out more tomorrow afternoon. OK, time for a very quick break now, but when we come back, we'll be shifting our attention to the Pompey women and a huge game for them away at Newcastle United on Sunday in the National League Cup semi-finals. The Blues head coach will be on with us to preview that one. It's going to be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for some of these players. However, when you then look through the occasion at the game, it's an opportunity to get to a cup final. Um, it's an opportunity to kind of right the wrongs from this time last year when we were humbled by Nottingham Forest. But there's a real excitement and a real buzz around the whole group of players and staff for this game. We'll hear that interview with Jay Sadler, as well as catch up with Izzy Collins, Lita Rutherford and Newcastle Fans TV presenter Joe Linsdall too. We'll also get the lowdown on the Magpies when the Football Hour returns next. For the fans, by the fans, the Football Hour with Jake Smith on Express FM. The world is your oyster. With many bus routes offering services late into the evening, from 7pm every day you can take advantage of a Night Rider ticket, taking you from A to B and everywhere in between. Simply purchase your Night Rider ticket on the bus or using the Stagecoach app to get unlimited travel anywhere on the whole of the Stagecoach South. So whether you're out with your mates, catching the latest blockbuster, on a late shift or just enjoying late night bus rides, visit stagecoachbus.com for timetable and ticket information. For the fans, by the fans, the Football Hour with Jake Smith on Express FM. Good evening and welcome along for the final time tonight to this instalment of the Football Hour with you right the way up until 7 o'clock, which is when Steve Randall returns with the latest edition of School Days here on Express FM. If you've missed any of the show this evening, be sure to keep an eye on our socials at Express FM on X and on Facebook, as well as our website and app too, as the upload of this evening's conversation will be uploaded as a podcast shortly after we come off air. And if you are just tuning in, thank you for joining us. We've so far previewed tomorrow's trip to Charlton for 
Pompey's men with the help of Eric Colborne and Ian Chiverton. And now we come on to Sunday's action for for the Portsmouth women. Last season, Jay Sadler's side made it through to the semi-finals of the National League Cup, only to be defeated by five goals to nil at the Holbrook Stadium by eventual winners Nottingham Forest. Well, this year, they've reached the same stage of the competition, and this time they've been rewarded with a trip to leaders of the National League Northern Premier Division, Newcastle United. I've been doing a little bit of digging to find out what makes the Magpies tick. Reeling off the back of an emphatic 7-0 victory over Chatham Town last Sunday, attention now turns to the National League Cup for Portsmouth women. This week's opposition. The Blues are flying high in the FA Women's National League Southern Premier Division and are in a very good position to achieve promotion to the Championship. For this weekend, however, focus is switched to a competition they reached the semi-finals of last season, the National League Cup. Northern Premier Division leaders Newcastle United await Jay Sadler's side at the historic venue that is St James's Park. Manager. The Magpies are managed by 28-year-old Becky Langley. Langley has recently completed her UEFA B and A licence courses and travelled to the Middle East last year to learn with other female coaches with similar lofty ambitions. Having coached since the young age of 14, Langley pursued her coaching career alongside studying sports and exercise science at Loughborough University, from which she graduated from in 2016. She was handed her first full-time contract as permanent manager of the Newcastle United Women in the summer of 2022, shortly after they were introduced under the umbrella of the football club following the Saudi takeover. One to watch. Our one to watch for this fixture is one of Newcastle's numerous recruits, Paige Bailey Gale. The forward joined the Magpies on a permanent deal from Crystal Palace in January and has really hit the ground running with her new side, scoring four goals from just three appearances so far. Bailey Gale, who came through the youth ranks at Arsenal and was promoted to the Gunners' first team in November 2018, wears the number 90 shirt for Newcastle. The 22-year-old has represented England at youth level but was selected for the Jamaican senior side and made her debut for the Reggae Girls in a goalless draw with Costa Rica in October 2021. Top scorer. Newcastle's top scorer is childhood Magpie supporter Bridget Galloway, who joined the club at the start of this season. The Gateshead-born striker has so far found the back of the net on 16 occasions in the FA Women's National League Northern Premier Division this season, with only one of those strikes coming from a penalty spot. Galloway had to make her breakthrough in football with arch-rival Sunderland, where she made her senior debut in 2016. After four years in the Black Cat setup on Wearside, she moved to Durham Women in 2020. The 24-year-old scored 37 goals in 51 appearances for Sunderland and 6 in 34 for Durham, before signing for her childhood club Newcastle back in July. 18 is the squad number donned by Bridget Galloway, who had a blistering start to her career on Tyneside with an impressive nine goals from her first six games for the club at the start of the campaign. Current form. Like Pompey, Newcastle are members of the third tier of women's senior football in England, the FA Women's National League. The Magpies, however, are in the Northern Premier Division, so have not and will not face the Blues in the league. The two sides do, however, have one thing in common, and that is they both lead their respective regional divisions. Becky Langley's team are top after 13 wins, one draw and one defeat from their 15 league matches played so far this season, nine points ahead of Nottingham Forest in second, who have a game in hand on the Magpies. Burnley are in third position, 14 points behind but having played three games fewer. Last time out a week ago, Newcastle were 2-1 victors over Derby County in the league. 
And to reach this stage of the National League Cup, the Magpies saw off Birmingham and West Midlands ladies by two goals to one in the first round, before winning 3-0 in the second round and knocking out current holders Nottingham Forest, who defeated Pompey in the semi-finals at the Halbrook Stadium on their run to become winners last year. In the quarter-finals last month, Newcastle were 4-1 victors away at Fylde. So, will it be one for sorrow or two for joy for Portsmouth against the Magpies in the National League Cup? Can Jay Sadler's side go one better than last year and make it through to the final? All of the unmissable action on Pompey Live. More there on Becky Langley's Newcastle United, the opponents for the Pompey women at St James's Park on Sunday as both sides prepare to fight for a place in the final of the FA Women's National League Cup, a stage of the competition neither club have reached before. Eric Colborne, uh, the league and promotion to the Championship, of course it's the bread and butter this season, mm. but a great opportunity re- uh, represents itself this weekend for the girls to make it through to a National Cup final. Yes, I mean it's a it's a great opportunity. Um, when we drew Newcastle um, after we beat Ipswich away in the quarter-final. We had three league games um, in between the uh, the Ipswich win and, and this game at Newcastle. And I know Jay said, just let's worry about the three wins. You know, <laughs> let, let's get the three wins in the league because that's what we're, we're about. Yeah. This is the target. Let's win the league. So we've done that. Fantastic wins. Um, again, we went to Ipswich uh, and, and won there. A f- um, phenomenal 5-1 victory at Oxford. And then, obviously, the 7-0 victory against Chatham Town last Sunday really, really sets this up nicely. It, I'm not saying it's a free hit at Newcastle, no. but what an opportunity. And playing so well this season, cheer for Jay Sadler's side, as Eric's alluded to their 7-0 win on Sunday against Chatham Town, a second consecutive uh, appearance in the National League Cup semi-final. Um, just goes to show really how well, uh, how fast this team is coming on leaps and bounds season upon season. Yeah, we've been absolutely brilliant this season. And um, to be honest, those of us who've been following the team for a while, it's, it's no surprise. Uh, this has been building under you know, Eric and Jay for, for quite a few seasons now. This isn't a, a one season wonder. We just we haven't just burst out of nowhere. This has been something that's been building from the foundation up for the last five, six years. And, you know, going semi pro was just literally the cherry on top of the cake. We needed to really push on and but the side have been phenomenal this season. So um, it sets up a really interesting tie because you don't get to play Northern sides very much. No. Um, so it, it's a really interesting tie. Well, fortunately for Pompey, of course, this season, the new rule means that if the league winners of both the Southern and the Northern divisions will be automatically promoted to the Championship. So no chance of a playoff against the Northern outfit this time around. So hopefully Pompey can achieve that feat this campaign. Um, but Chiv, just looking back at Newcastle there, we heard the report on them, the kind of players they've got in their ranks um, Paige Bailey Gale four goals and three appearances um, and, and they've got some real real key figures within their team they're a fully professional outfit and Sunday's going to be it's going to be a tough test for Jay Sadler's side for sure yeah, it's definitely a tough test. And I think maybe, you know, they would probably consider themselves marginal favourites because they're at home. But as I've said, if if it was at Wesley, uh, we beat them. I absolutely <laughs> no doubt we would beat them if it was at home. So, um, yes, they are fully pro, but we, you know, Portsmouth Women is run almost as a fully pro club anyway, the professionalism and the standards they have. So I'd be surprised if there's too much difference. For me... 
It's not going to come down to the team's ability because I think both teams are identical. Yeah. It's going to come down to who deals with the occasion and the huge crowd. That's That will decide the game. Right, let's get some pre-match thoughts ahead of this big game on Sunday then. I've been speaking to Blues defender Izzy Collins. Izzy, how much are you looking forward to this weekend's trip up to Newcastle and the prospect of representing Pompey on such a big stage that St James's Park is? Uh, yes, I mean, it's unbelievable, really. Um, these are kind of the moments that you, you play for in football. Um, obviously, the attendance as well is going to be crazy, but it will be a good experience for us all. And yeah, really looking forward to it. How crucial is it to play the game and not the occasion, whilst you know still, of course, enjoying the opportunity at the same time? Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, I think we we need to stick to kind of our game plan and stuff. Um, obviously, we want to go there and we want to get a win. We're we're not there just to enjoy the occasion. So obviously, we'll we'll enjoy the occasion after and yeah, kind of just kind of lap up the experience really and yeah, enjoy the game. Has there been any extra preparation for this one or has it been business as usual as far as training and the overall build-up has been concerned? Um, I think it's been business as usual, really. Uh, obviously, we've we've done analysis and bits like that and highlighted areas that we can exploit them. We've put it into play and obviously we've still got tonight to kind of go over a few more things. And yeah, um, I think yeah we just kind of stuck to a, kind of our game plan and stuff like that. We're not going to change anything and yeah, just going to enjoy it, really. And what would it mean to you to be able to help guide the club to a national cup final? Absolutely. Um, I think, obviously, last year we, we, we got humbled, you could say, um, in the semis. So, yeah, it'd be really good to go a step further this year. And obviously to do it on the stage that we're able to do it on this year would obviously be even better. But, yeah, I think I think the girls are fully determined to kind of go that one step extra. And we want to win the cup as well as the league. So it's we've got both on our minds. It's not just the league. So, yeah, no, really looking forward to it. OK, we've just heard there from Izzy Collins. But what does midfielder Lita Rutherford have to say ahead of the game? I spoke to her this afternoon. Lita, let's first of all touch on last weekend's emphatic win over Chatham Town at Wesley Park. You claimed to the opening goal of that 7-0 victory on what marks a special occasion for the football club as the Pompey women celebrated the 125th anniversary in style. How proud were you not only to represent the team, but to also get on the score sheet too? Uh, for me, it was a, a massive day, a big achievement. And to, like you said, to open the scoring was just like a really big, memorable moment for myself and for the club, really. Obviously, being a senior player uh, within the squad, being the longest serving player here, it, it meant a lot. And I mean, 7-0 at home, back in front of our fans, fighting for the title. What a way to um, finish that, that kind of game. A nice touch with the celebration as well. You and your teammates gathering on the touchline to hold Jazz Younger's shirt up to the fans. Do moments like that go to show how tight-knit this squad is and exemplify the togetherness of this team? Absolutely. I mean, we don't need to tell her that we're right behind her all, you know, every day or whatever. She knows that everybody in the club, in the squad, are behind her. And I just thought, like, what a way to kind of um, give it back to her. She, she's desperate to play. She can't play. And, and as a squad, we kind of got together and and we did it for her as well, you know. And the celebration, as you can see, holding up her shirt, it was always going to happen. We had her shirt on the bench. So for me to open in the scoring and to go and grab the shirt for her, it, it meant a lot for, for her. I know that. On to this weekend then, and it's the big one, Newcastle away and the National League Cup semi-final. Let's begin on that by asking what the feeling is around the camp right now and with the prospect of playing at such a venue that St James's Park is, I, I bet everyone's buzzing. 
<laughs> I mean, after Sunday, the mood was just ecstatic, really. Everybody is really, really excited, um, not only to play at such a big stadium and, and obviously the big game as well itself. Yeah, I, I can't explain how excited everybody is. And, you know, we've had um, a session on kind of psych session about being prepared for the thousands of fans and what to expect. So um, it's new to everybody in, in the squad and, and one exciting game to be part of. And of course, the carrot is dangling, a potential cup final on offer. Is that something that will be on my mind or will full focus from the team be purely on the task at hand, just like any other game? It'd be just like any other game. Um, we've said all week it is another game and we prepare like we would prepare any other game. So, like you said, it's, it's a semi-final, the carrot's dangling, but it's a cup game. It's one of them games that there's no pressure on you as a squad. Um, we're fighting for the title as well as Newcastle are, so we're both in similar positions. And I think, yeah, it's it's going to go one or two ways on the day. They're at home in front of all their fans. You know, we can only do what we do on the day and we prepare like we would at any other game. And Eric, uh, Newcastle United targeting 30,000 supporters at St James's Park on Sunday. We know that ticket sales have gone pretty well over the course of the last week or two as well. Um, it says a lot about the growth of the women's game to be getting such a high attendance in, you know, what is uh, a National League Cup competition? Yes, uh, you know, for, for the teams in the third division. Yes, it's amazing, isn't it? You know, you, you can't imagine um, a, a couple of years ago if you'd have said that Bombay uh, women would be playing in front of over <laughs> 30,000 supporters, uh, that would, uh, you just wouldn't have believed it. But no, it just, it, it'll be a fantastic advert for, for, for women's football at tier three level as well. Yeah. Um, and no, I, I really feel that the girls are so on it and, and you know you just heard there from two fantastic players one obviously young player and one slightly older player um who who you know they they are a credit to our football club they really are a credit to our football club and everybody that goes to watch them at, at um, Wesley Park will, will have seen this season yeah. they, they are phenomenal athletes uh, tremendous the, the 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 amount of work they put in and and the the efforts and, and not just just physical on the pitch but the, the the learning efforts they they really look at what they're doing and they analyze everything and I'll tell you my gosh have we had some discussions about the four <laughs> goals we've conceded in the league this season? You know, that's that's where they're focusing yeah, on because yeah. they do not like conceding goals. No. So, you know, no, phenomenal, phenomenal opportunity, this. Perfection is key for the Pompey women this season. Right, should we get the opinions now of someone within the opposition camp? I spoke with Joe Linsdale, presenter of Newcastle Fans TV early in the week, to talk about Sunday's game, asking how much he and the fans are looking forward to the occasion, with a bumper crowd expected and the carrot of the cup final up for grabs too. It's electric throughout the whole fans. I mean, I'm involved in a Newcastle fans Facebook group. I'm heavily involved on Twitter with them and everyone is just buzzing and it doesn't stop at the fans either. I mean, the fans, we've got the flags getting ready. You've got like dancers getting ready. Everyone's sharing the chants. Like everyone is so excited and it goes through with the players as well. The players are extremely excited as well. It's a huge occasion. Yeah. And what kind of role do you have within the Newcastle setup then? You're part of a Newcastle fans TV, but what does a typical week look like for you? Oh, it's um 
a lot of the stuff we do on Newcastle Fans TV isn't just a matter of going up to the training grounds and talking to players, which we have done recently this week. Um, a lot of it's building the fans up as well, like getting all of the fans together. I mean, me personally, a lot of my vlogs are focused on solely the fans because there's so many funny personalities. There's player families. There's so many different, absolute, like I like to call them the nutters. We all are. I'm saying them. I'm part of them. But we get ourselves involved with the club, interacting with them, sharing the clubs, like promote, helping promote the club, um, helping promote just everything about them. And we don't do this as sort of an official agreement with the club. This is just a matter of we're fans too. We want this women's game to be absolutely massive. So we want to push it as well. And that is literally what we're focused on doing. Nothing emphasises the growth of the women's game, particularly at this level, than having such a large attendance expected this weekend. You mentioned there the fans are excited for it. Just tell us a bit about what this kind of occasion means to the people of Newcastle. So it, it's we've got a, we've got a guy who's connected to us called Matt Walby, who's a massive stat man, and Matt's really been keeping focused on this whole um, attendance record. And it is it's going to I think if we hit twenty eight thousand. Again, which we've done before, if we hit 28,000, we do then end up breaking that 100,000 threshold over, I believe, five matches, um, which is absolutely massive for the women's game in itself over literally five games. That, that's huge. Um, I know as of this morning, with all the seats that have been sold, it is somewhere between twelve and 18,000 at the moment. So that's about, what say, two full days left to go to the actual day, including people who are paying on the gate. I don't see why we wouldn't want to again hit 28,000 to 30,000 and break that on the day threshold as well. Everyone is it's one of those occasions where people aren't just going, I'm going to come with the person I usually come with. They're inviting the brothers. My brother's coming along. They're inviting the partners who wouldn't usually come. Everyone is making a day out of it. So from that normal family who bring four, it's all of a sudden quadrupled. You know, they're bringing cousins, aunties, uncles everyone is getting involved. So I do think it's going to be a huge atmosphere. I do hear rumours that there's going to be a very, very, very nice flag display going on. So, you know, it's it's going to be story night. I can't wait to see this. And just looking into the Newcastle team, we've, of course, done our research ahead of the game. Top scorer Bridget Galloway, one to watch being Paige Bailey-Gale with four goals from three appearances since signing in January. But aside from those two players, is there anybody you think Portsmouth should really look out for in this match? Well, being at St James's Park was two players who I want to point out who played at, I believe, every single St James's Park match so far for the women, and that's Katie Barker and Georgia Gibson, who are both homegrown players. And I don't know what it is about them. The great players, in any case, Katie Barker right now is, in my personal opinion, the peak in the peak of her career. But when they step out at St James's Park, there is something different about them. They, they just get this extra level from themselves. So I think Katie Barker and Georgia Gibson are two players to watch out for. I do believe in super subs, and I believe too with super subs who you just need to watch out for is Jasmine McQuaid and Anna Soulsby. Um, them two, when they come on, again, homegrown lasses. Them two, when they come on, they play with such passion that it's hard to ignore that at a place like St. James's Park. And then bringing it back down to the defence, I can't fault any of our defenders. Olivia Watt, Charlotte Potts, with goalkeeper Grace Donnelly, Leah Cataldo, Amber Stobbs. We've only conceded seven goals this season, which is one less than Portsmouth, I do know. That is a testament to how amazing and how hard we're going to hold defensive unit has been. So, I know I've named a few there. You've got a good 
Nelly are starting at 11 to look out for, but I genuinely believe that is. But top of the list would be Katie Barker and Georgia Gibson. They come out something special at St. James's Park. Yeah, and you briefly mentioned it there, the, the comparison between the two teams and their form this season. Newcastle top of the National League Northern Premier Division, Pompey leading the Southern Division. How tight of a game do you anticipate this to be on Sunday? As you know, this is essentially billed to be the battle between two immovable objects and two clubs who have never reached the final of this competition before. I think, I mean, speaking on a Geordie perspective, I think a lot of our fans are overlooking Portsmouth. Um, quite honestly, I know I'll probably get a lot of boos for that from our fans, but I do believe we're overlooking Portsmouth a little bit here, um, probably because we've never fully faced each other before, we've never really competed against each other. I think this is a massive preview for next season in the Championship when we're going to be up there fighting. I think it's going to be an extremely tight game. Yes, I do believe Newcastle are going to have the edge because of where we're playing and the fans will have. But I think on the pitch, it's going to be very much a tale of two halves um, and it could really go either way. I believe penalties are a factor and I wouldn't be surprised if my five-year-old daughter sees her first penalty shootout happen um, live in front of her, which I don't know how I'm going to counsel that to her, but I, I think it's going to be a very tight game. I think it'll be very physical, very fast-paced and I think it's going to be an extremely tactical tactical game where managers are going to have to be switching positions left, right and centre. We're going to be very, very, very careful on substitutes. I'm looking forward to a tight match. I just hope we can edge it over with the fans. A big thank you there to Joe from Newcastle Fans TV for speaking to me yesterday in previous Sunday's National League Cup semi-final. Right, let's hear now from head coach of the Pompey women, Jay Sadler. I caught up with Jay early in the week to look ahead to Sunday's game, first asking how much he and his team are looking forward not only to the match, but also the opportunity to play at St James's Park. Jay, here we are then, the big one. National League Cup semi-final action this weekend away at Newcastle United. How much are you and the team not only looking forward to the game, but also the opportunity to play at St James's Park too? Yeah, I think we've been obviously looking forward to it for a while now since it got confirmed at St James's Park, how we had business to attend to with games against Oxford and then more recently Chatham. Um, so it's kind of been the elephant in the room, um, very hard to avoid because it's a, a rather large elephant with the expected attendance of um, surpassing their previous record of 28,000. Playing in such a, an iconic stadium at St. James's Park, I think it will be my fourth, maybe fifth main ground that we're going to be playing or main stadium that we're going to be playing in. So it's going to be a, a once in a lifetime opportunity for some of these players. However, when you then look through the occasion at the game, it's an opportunity to get to a cup final. Um, it's an opportunity to kind of right the wrongs from this time last year when we were humbled by Nottingham Forest. Um, but there's a real excitement and a real buzz um, around the whole group of players and staff for, for this game. Yeah, and you mentioned there last year's defeat at the semi-final stage to Nottingham Forest. Do you kind of get the sense that this is somewhat the second bite of the cherry after last season's heartbreak? Is is that defeat something the squad are able to try and use to spur them on to go one better this time around? Yeah, we've spoken about it quite a lot um, because that was a game that I felt we started well in and a game that I felt or once we conceded the goal, um, we just unravelled. We unravelled and it showed where we needed to probably strengthen individually the mentality side from staff all the way through to players. And I think we've done that this season. I think if we are to go one down, we've got a mentally strong group, a group that are resolute, 
um, and a group that can come back. And we've proved that already in, in previous games this season. But it's definitely something to, to look at and think, hang on a minute, to achieve a semi-final berth and being a top four is obviously an achievement in itself. However, with a group of players we've got and the ambition we have this year, we want to go one further. But Newcastle United away is the challenge ahead. Um, and it's an exciting challenge because they're a fully professional outfit. They're flying high in the Northern Division and they get a massive attendances in the league at home. Um, so, yeah, there's there's a lot riding on it, but there's a lot to be excited about. And I'm interested to know, while we're on the subject, you've been at Pompey for over seven and a half years now. What's the biggest crowd you've been lucky enough to lead a team out in front of? Because we're expecting something between twenty to 30,000 this weekend. Yeah, and we, we haven't seen those heights, um, I'd say. The loudest was the, the just shy of 3,000 at Fratton Park um, when we played Brighton. Um, that stadium for me is so unique in the sense that it houses the noise um, and the Pompey fans are obviously special in terms of numbers, not noise. Um, it was St Mary's um, when we were beaten um, when Southampton won the league title against us. A moment that will sit with me because we wanted to be them. We wanted to emulate that and win the league title. And obviously, that still hurts to this day, as you can tell. But when you look at the occasion to be in front of just shy, I think it was about 4,800, 5,000 fans all against you. Obviously, that's that's another thing, the hostility that it brings when you go in to an away ground. Um, but this won't. This will be like something no one um, within the, the staffing and, and playing group would have ever experienced. So we've been doing a lot of work with our psychologists this week um, to understand the emotion and the challenges that it's going to bring. But if you can't embrace this opportunity, then I think you're bonkers, if I'm being honest. This is an opportunity that you have to embrace, you have to enjoy, because it's it's going to be a memory that, that lasts a lifetime. So going well in the league, of course, this cup run hasn't proven to be a distraction at all. And whilst the success of the season won't be defined on what happens in the National League Cup, I'm sure it would nonetheless be a nice little bonus to be able to flex the muscles of your team's ability by getting as far as possible in it. Well, it comes as probably a welcome distraction in a way. We set our ambitions at the start of the season to compete at the top end of the division. We're doing that and we're very happy with um, the progress we've made, albeit the one blemish on the record. But apart from that, 14 wins is something to boast and something we're proud of. And we know after this game, we've got seven huge games in the league to, to get that over the line. However... This game probably comes as a welcome distraction due to the pressures that the league brings. Um, the expectation, even on Sunday, against um, a team that are fighting for their lives at the bottom, there's pressure on us to, to bring the intensity, to bring the quality, to beat those teams. Whereas this is a different type of pressure. We can part the pressure of the league and the pressure of the expectation. And we're going into an amphitheatre that we've never experienced before, a stage of a competition that we want to win. And 100%, we'd love to do a double and... I think I'd speak on behalf of all players and staff. There's a mentality about us that wants to win every game, no matter who we come up against, no matter what competition, we want to win it. And now it's just about understanding how we're going to set up, um, understanding what challenges we're going to face, what emotions we're going to feel, and then run straight at it. Um, because as I keep saying, it's a it's an opportunity and an occasion to, to embrace. And quite some result against Chatham last time out to go into this game off the back of two 7-0 winners at Wesley Park last Sunday. You must be pleased with that. Yeah, and it was a, a real, real good performance all the way through. Um, I think the first probably 10, 11, 12 minutes, um, two teams finding their feet in a way as you would expect in a game where 
one team is performing extremely well and one team is fighting for their lives and needing points. Um, and you're coming up against a manager with pedigree in Kiasu, who's won the FA Cup before. So he prepares his sides um, not to be beaten. And then I think as soon as we're able to get the first goal through a well-worked set play, you could just see the, the, the calmness throughout our players. And they then started to play with a freedom. They started to play with a belief and a real enjoyment. And when this group gets going and they transcend that enjoyment into their play, it is literally a joy to behold and watch. And, and some of the play, some of the goals, the individual collective quality was there for all to see. Another clean sheet, which we obviously pride ourselves on um, this season. And, and, a, and a crowd of just shy of a thousand who, who obviously went home happy. A game last weekend, Jay, you were absent from. Could you tell us a little bit more about why that was? Yes, it was very difficult for me to, to do so. Um, Obviously, match days is, is what you embrace, what you love, what, what you um, work so hard for in the week. And I'm very um, privileged to have such a, a great backroom staff who were able to step in for my absence. So basically, Tier 3 women's football is defined still as grassroots. Um, so therefore, um, I accumulated three yellow cards this season, something I'm not proud of, something I'm working hard with, with the psychologist around. Um, however, in, in any professional game or from tiers one to six in the men's or one to two in the women's, um, you'd impose a, a touchline ban. However, with it being grassroots, they can't police a touchline ban. So therefore, they have to enforce uh, a ground ban. So it was very difficult to accept because of the professionalism that we bring and the professionalism that tier three women's football is. You just look at the spectacle that's going to be against Newcastle. And um, I think there, there needs to be a bit of reform there and a little bit of a rethink. However, I accepted it. I'll learn from it. Um, and the players and staff delivered. And now we can look forward to, to Newcastle. And what kind of test do you anticipate from Newcastle on the pitch on Sunday? They're a very athletic team. Um, they're a very quick team. Um, speed of play, speed of thought, um, intensity that they bring because they have increased the amount of contact time with being fully professional. Um, we found that when we faced London City Lionesses last season in the FA Cup, we found it when we faced our neighbour Southampton this year in the FA Cup. Um, it brings a different degree of physicality. And they have quality. They, they have individuals that are gelling, new players that they brought in from Crystal Palace. And um, luckily, Beth Lumsden, they brought in from us, will be cup-tied. Obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm gutted for her individually because it would have been a great spectacle for her. But um, we know the quality that she would have brought. Um, but we also know they've got they've got top class players that can that can turn the screw and, and that can change any game, having watched their previous games before. But we were in those games that I mentioned before, the London City, the Southampton. We were in those games all the way to the death and the London City one could have gone either way. I even think the Southampton one in the FA Cup this year could have gone either way. So we, we know the task um, at hand. We know it's going to be a challenge, but we relish these types of challenges in these types of amphitheatres and and, and, and we want to generate a belief. There is a belief amongst us as a group that we can go there and, and get a positive performance and, and turn that into a win. Yeah, and you mentioned there, forward Beth Lumsden recently moved from Portsmouth to Newcastle. No reunion on the pitch scheduled this weekend. She's cup-tied. How much of an impact will that have on the game? Yeah, they're, they're going to be missing a, a huge player. Um, of course they are. Um, we were obviously a stronger group with her um, and, and Newcastle will be a weaker group without her. However, one thing I will say for us as a group now is we've adapted really well um, to her loss. The players 
um, have all stepped up. We obviously brought in Daisy as well, who's been firing on all cylinders for us since her arrival and looking good. And other players have stepped up too, um, which is great to see. But Newcastle have a, a plethora of talent. Um, they've recruited really well. Um, they, they've spent more money than some of the Super League teams have in January. So um, it just shows um, what kind of backing they have. And some people will see that as well, that's not fair, that's a negative and, and it's not. It's fantastic for women's football. Um, what Newcastle United are doing is, is superb, not only on the pitch, but but also off the pitch and, and be a part of what will be a, an immense occasion for women's football. We're obviously proud um, to be there um, and we're going to represent that pride um, in that game and, and ensure we get a win, um, regardless of what's thrown our way. And just finally, any concerns on the injury front? Barring, of course, what we already know with Jazz Younger, who's out for the season, haven't done her ACL. Yeah, Jazz obviously out. Um, she's actually had a consultancy um, earlier this week um, and we're looking at getting her in for a operation uh, very soon and then she can start her rehabilitation and um, hopefully we can get her back into training in around the Christmas time. That's probably the earliest you can look for, but you've got to set these optimistic targets and, and she's been fantastic. And one thing I will say, the, the togetherness of this group, um, it's special. Getting around her, it's, it's a big, big loss on and off the pitch. We have picked up a couple of niggles, as you'd expect, that the business business end of the season. Kelsey Bowers missing out the weekend with a groin injury. So she's going to be assessed. Um, apart from that, we've had a, a couple of minor niggles and that lot, but we had a pool recovery session um, earlier on in the week. Um, we're nursing everyone through it, but I think we'll have probably 17, 18 players to, to, to pick from um, and uh, got to make some some big decisions. Um, but ultimately, we want to go and win the game of football. That, that's first and foremost with the group of players we have. So a big weekend coming up here on Express FM, especially when it comes to football. We're excited to be bringing you another Pompey Live weekender. Both huge games for the Blues men and women, uh, both away from home. We commence it with a trip to South London tomorrow. All of the unmissable action from the Valley, live here from 2 o'clock. Here we go. Pompey Live. Portsmouth men, seven unbeaten and still top of League One. Chance for Lane in the box. Shoots into the net. A trip to Charlton Athletic on Saturday and then a long journey up to St James's Park on Sunday for the Pompey women. Onto the left boot of Sophie Quirk and she's found the back of the net for the second time. Fantastically done. She is lighting up the Women's National League. Join us for another exciting Pompey Live weekender this Saturday from 2 and Sunday from 1 here on Express FM. Every kick, every goal, every game is right here on Express FM. Pompey Live. With Aquacars. Very much looking forward to both of those games. We'll be at the Valley from 2 tomorrow and St James's Park from 1 on Sunday to bring you absolutely all of the action of both matches. A big thank you to both of our two studio guests this evening, Eric Holborn, director of the Pompey Women. Thank you very much for coming on to the show tonight. Pleasure, Jake. Lovely to be here. Just to remind everybody, there are still coach tickets available for Newcastle. Go online and they're on sale till 3 o'clock tomorrow. And also match tickets are available from Newcastle on Eric, the day. Eric, fantastic. Thank you very, very much for your time tonight. Likewise to Chiv as well, calling in from back home. Bit of pleasure to have you on the Football Hour again. Thanks for having me on, mate. Tomorrow's team in South London will be Connor Mosley, myself, Kirsty Roxanne. Member three of us will be travelling up to Tyneside on Sunday, where we'll be joined also by Matt Drabble. We'll also have commentary, our very own commentary, of Sunday's match between Pompey and Newcastle. I'll be back at the usual time of six on Monday evening with two more Pompey fans for the next instalment of the Football Hour. But until then, have a good weekend and play at Pompey.